Don't touch that dial. You are now tuned in to Pruner TV, brought to you by Adobe Radio in partnership with Nice Guy Digital. Without further ado, here's the guy who was voted most likely to become a singing weatherman. Your host, Aaron Pruner. I can neither sing and I hate the weather, so. I don't hate the weather. I hate the weather right now because I have allergies. Wake up every morning itchy and dry. My eyes are red. I feel like I have something stuck in my throat. So it's the perfect time to record a podcast. And that's why I'm here. It's Pruner TV. It's episode number 10. It's episode number 10. Uh, It's Tuesday. And uh, that means you get to listen to me for the next hour. Ramble on and on about TV things. Um, If you (laughs) forgot, I'm Aaron Pruner, the host of the show. Uh, Thanks for sticking with me here at IW Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Printer TV, which, you know, please do that. I have, like, no followers, although, you know, Aaron Flux, my other account, has all the followers. Although I did post something about Westworld um, the other day on Twitter on the Printer TV account, which got a lot of retweets, so thanks for that. But no followers adding on to my my thing. Uh, today's guest is going to be actor Adam Lustick. He's a sketch comedy guy. He's a comedian. He has his own podcast. You may have uh, recognized him from all sorts of things. He was on Hulu's series Casual. He's uh, in Adam Ruins Everything, that show on True TV. And most recently, he's played John on Comedy Central's Corporate, which recently got renewed for a second season. And I met him at a commercial audition, which is just typically L.A. Um, Hi, Maddie. Thanks for coming back. Last, Last week... You left me here with Brett. Yeah, sorry about that. Brett Davern, who has put it in my my head to not talk to anyone in the room aside from the guest, and then he sidelined me and took over the damn show and would not shut up. It's what happens when you put two podcast hosts in the room together. I didn't put him in the room. He was here because you were in Texas. Why were you in Texas? I was visiting. Eating barbecue. Oh, yeah. I was visiting my in-laws and eating a lot of food. That's, that's fine. I guess that's yeah. fine. That's acceptable. Yeah, it was great. Visiting but I missed you. Oh, just stop. Don't pander. I don't believe you. <laughs> leaving me here with the blonde boy that looks forever 18. Whatever. It's his superpower. Yeah, it's... No. I mean, I had that superpower for a long period of time. Now I just look 30, which is fine. I'm 42 in June, and I... I just got eye cream. I just got eye cream. I'm a guy. I'm, uh, you know, <coughs> I'm supposed to be shooting new headshots on Thursday, and I'm starting like to get back into the acting thing, which I took a very long break on. It's still kind of weird to think that that might be something I'm gonna be doing again. But <laughs> like, there's gray in my beard now. The last time I got headshots, there wasn't that, and then I'm starting to notice I have these bags under my eyes. I spent forty dollars on a little thing of eye cream for dudes, and. I don't know. I feel like this is really the beginning of my midlife crisis. On this day in 1989, speaking of midlife crises, I'm changing the subject. The Disney Channel began airing the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. That's right. On April, it's April, right? On April 24th, 1989, J.C. Chazé, Britney Spears, Ryan Gosling, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, and Carrie Russell 
all joined forces to to carry the torch that was the Mickey Mouse Club. I don't know where I'm going with this because I did not watch. Um, I hadn't been born yet. I feel like I need to buy more eye cream. <laughs> Fuck. Hadn't been born yet. Jesus Christ. In 1998 on this day, ABC canceled Ellen. That was the first TV show ever to feature an openly gay character. So that's uh that's on this day. Today is also Shirley MacLaine's birthday, as well as Kelly Clarkson and and Barbara Streisand. They're all their birthdays are today. Don't ask me how old they are, because I didn't write that down. It doesn't really matter. So uh wish them happy birthday if you're listening to this on Tuesday the twenty fourth and no time after. Um I guess I'll go into a few uh, TV topics before we bring Adam in. Um, I have had Dana DeLorenzo on the show multiple times, and I've been joking how this is turning into the Ash vs. Evil Dead's official podcast. I want to call it After Ash, the Ash vs. Evil Dead after show. Um, but unfortunately, Stars has canceled Ash vs. Evil Dead, which... I was kind of seeing coming their their ratings were really crappy this past year, which is unfortunate. But this just kind of goes back to is there a place for horror on television? I believe The Exorcist is going to get canceled. I have a strong feeling about that. Um, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Bruce Campbell's and Evil Dead. And they really got away with doing a lot on this show that fans wanted. But the other part of that is I don't think stars knows what they want. They have Outlander and stuff like Counterpart that are doing really well. And they just premiered Howard's End, which is a like a Merchant Ivory um, miniseries based on the Merchant Ivory movie. I don't think the TV show's Merchant Ivory. The movie was like they're finding success there that I feel like they're like, well, Ash versus Evil Dead no longer fits our brand. I get that. Still unfortunate. Another piece of unfortunate news is that Lethal Weapon on Fox is in jeopardy of being renewed, which is weird to say since it is the youngest, one of the youngest TV shows on Fox from Warner Brothers that has received the most um, ratings and viewership. But the reason it's in limbo is because Clayne Crawford, the mustached actor that plays Martin Riggs, the character that Mel Gibson played in the movies, has apparently exhibited bad behavior on set. According to Deadline, he's been disciplined several times over complaints of emotional abuse and creating a hostile work environment. So the future of the show is in question, and there are actually talks of possibly recasting the character, which is insane. But also makes me think about, okay, Mel Gibson has been known to have bad behavior. He played Riggs. Clayne Crawford apparently has bad behavior. He plays Riggs. Maybe it's just like a method acting thing where, like, you're like Jim Carrey on Man on the Moon and you're just being just a difficult person on set when you're playing Andy Kaufman. I don't know. I've met Clayne Crawford multiple times. He was nice to me. But I can also see this being a thing. Like, I'm not doubting it at all. I don't know. It's really unfortunate because without him, the show wouldn't work. Do you watch Lethal Weapon, Maddie? I do not. But maybe I should. I mean, it doesn't really matter now. They're going to cancel it. Yeah, that's true. Um, This is unfortunate. Here's 
From unfortunate to weird, Netflix has ordered a Fast and the Furious animated TV show. <laughs> the look on your face. Yeah. Um, so apparently Netflix has a, a new like five-year deal with Universal and DreamWorks Animation. And from this, they have ordered a cartoon based on the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> when are we going to let the Fast and the Furious die? Oh, it's been renewed, and I think uh, through to like ten movies or something. Oh my god! They make a lot of money. I know. I am guilty of spending my money at the theater on them because they are. Look, The Rock came in and it made it better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This past one was such a shitty movie. Mm-hmm. It was the pat the, the recent one that happened with Jason Statham in in an airplane with the baby and the. Oh my god! It was Charlie Theron as the bad guy. It was bad. It was bad. But a Fast and Furious TV show, I, I don't know. A cartoon a at cartoon that. Cartoon TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Grey's Anatomy was just renewed for a fifteenth season. So Shonda Rhimes is now over at Netflix, but I'm wondering if that's like the Ryan Murphy thing. Because he's still doing American Horror Story and all that, but now he's at Netflix. If Shonda Rhimes still is is uh, obligated to these shows, because I mean, this is the big one. Fifteen seasons. This makes it the longest running show ever on ABC. I stopped watching after McDreamy died, and I can't spoiler. get spoiler season years ago. But yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Sorry, guys. God. I just. It's a, almost a completely new cast. So there was McDreamy and McSteamy? Yeah. These sound like items you can get yeah, on the McDonald's, McDonald's menu. I know. I know. And either they were that great. Or either that the McSteamy sounds like a really unfortunate sex thing. He was a very fortunate sex thing. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell me more. I don't I don't uh I don't know. I this is not within my uh my See, purview. But they've been long gone and so I have not been able to get back into Grey's Anatomy because all my favorite characters So you are... had McDreamy, McSteamy, there should be a McCreamy. Oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. I don't know if no. I can get behind that no. one. No. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another yeah. one. I can't. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, good for them, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, obviously, there's still an audience Yeah. for it. Oh, all my friends still watch it. years. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Maddie wasn't born when Grey's Anatomy first came out. <laughs> That's, I'm just waiting for it. She was like five or something. I don't know. Fifteen years. I was ten. I was ten. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I wasn't allowed to watch it when it first came out. I was 27. <laughs> Martha Stewart has joined Chopped. I should just leave it at that. You know, Martha Stewart has been making some interesting choices recently. She's in that Snoop Dogg show where they, like, get stoned and cook food and drink alcohol or something they're friends it's yeah. very weird yeah um martha stewart my wife loves her she has a big fan base she is now a recurring judge on this season of chopped on the food network and i don't watch chopped very often although it has fred allen the, one of the original queer eye for the straight guy guys and um i liked the show 
I know Alton Brown has been on it. I'm a big fan of Alton Brown stuff, but like adding Martha Stewart, I I'll tune in. I I don't have the Food Network, but I'll totally tune in. I I, I don't have cable. We've already been through this previously, but I'm tuning in anyways. I don't know how. Maybe it's on Hulu. I don't know. I don't know. My final piece of news here. American Idol is still a thing. <laughs> it's still a thing. I haven't been watching. I don't know if anyone really cares anymore about this show. It's been doing fine. Um, but for the first time ever, starting this Sunday, American Idol is going to be airing live simulcasts. It has never done this in the, I believe, 15, 16 years that it's been a thing. 17 years. Shit, it started in like 2001. Yeah, 17 years, although it went off the air like two years. So anyways, the semantics. Um, it's never done this before, which is interesting, I guess, to have a competition show that airs live so that people on both coasts can vote at the same time. Uh, kind of feels like a gimmick in a way to get more people to watch because I know you're watching American Idol on the West Coast if you don't have a chance to uh, to vote then it might make you feel like, what's the point in watching? I'll just find the results online the next day or I'll watch it on the DVR. But now, people on both coasts can vote at the exact same time. It's going to be live voting. And the results of the voting will be revealed at the end of each show in real time. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Ryan Seacrest, I'm... I'm I'm impressed by his business acumen. The guy just is uh, works nonstop. There is that, you know, we're going to talk about Donald Glover later with Atlanta and and stuff. But there's this like acumen in in, in artists out there that just keep working and working and putting out stuff that they don't sleep. <laughs> They're constantly driving to to do better. And I I've heard so many things about Ryan Seacrest's schedule and and his work ethic. And yes, I've also heard about the allegations of abuse or harassment that but I, I don't know what happened with that but but you know all i'm saying is american idol without him would be nothing but live simulcast eh, if you're into that thing on a sunday when westworld is airing at the, at the exact same time sure do you um and with that uh we're gonna take a break and adam lustig is going to join me when we return we're back um thanks so much for sticking <laughs> thanks so much for sticking around <laughs> my guest can't decide whether he wants to keep his headphones on or off he's like oh i can't hear the the sound effect um in the studio with me today <laughs> is actor adam lustig who yes. um who is a very recognizable person yeah you look at him and think i've seen him before <laughs> you have this thing the, a chest, a face, a neck, yes. a neck that leads into a head, yes. the ears and the eyes. I've yes. seen a human before. I'm just all forehead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just all forehead and chin. Me too. I'm yeah. mostly foreheaded. Um, That's so, how we get along. So Adam uh, most recently has uh, been seen on Comedy Central's Corporate, yes. which I'm very familiar with. But one thing I didn't realize is you were also in Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, yeah. Which is a show that I watched a lot about, which... These sunglasses I wore specifically, my Persol sunglasses, yes. which were like three hundred fucking dollars. A lot and for he sunglasses. Had, he had an episode that pretty much debunked expensive sunglasses. That's what's problematic about being friends or even knowing Adam and all is that anything you like will be ruined. 
So, Any, anything you like or anything that you, you have authentic affection for, anything you think might be good or doing good in the world will be debunked and demystified and ruined for you forever. So hold on. Yeah. <laughs> He's like this in real life? Definitely. This char- this sort of like character of the excuse but know-it-all sort of thing is a very nat- – he would be the first to admit that it was a very natural extension of his sort of – he's just very learned, you know, and he was a learned. Philo- learned, very wise, yes. a Talmudic scholar living in the 21st century. But he was a – I think I want to say a <laughs> philosophy <laughs> major at maybe Bar or something and his parents are academic so he's he's real ah. he's rubbing on facts yeah yes and so is his show but before we get sidetracked yeah here, sorry sorry uh it's fine um so <laughs> so uh, adam as i was saying before we even started yeah. recording adam and i crossed paths in the bathroom <laughs> at the television critics association hollywood works in weird ways winter tour i think that was at was that Pasadena? It was that fancy Langen Hotel Langham in, in Pasadena. Pasadena. Yes. Yes. By the way, which I stayed at for one night with my wife. Because, it was really nice. Uh, press get discount tickets. Shh, brag. Um, it looks nice. Yeah. Uh-oh. It's old. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like you know the Paramount Studios looks nice. Yeah, yeah. But then you have like a, a, a an office on the lot, and there's cracks, and there's like a rat that lives in the wall. Like, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. It was a little. It was a little janky. Yeah, there's like a gramophone that's still yeah. in use. My wife left uh, the room early in the morning because she couldn't sleep and got locked out because the front gate yep. didn't work. Yeah. So she couldn't get back into the hotel. Oh, bummer. And had to walk like half a mile around all the way to the main entrance. <laughs> yeah. Stranded so, at the Langen. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there's worse places. Worse places, yeah. It was certainly a maj- – that was my first – I know that you're – uh, a veteran of this, but that was my first TCA. I so I was call not... myself a veteran, please. Please, a seasoned, a seasoned please. veteran, a learned, <laughs> a scholar. Yes, yes. But okay. that was my first TCA, so I was very op- not even overwhelmed, but just impressed by the grandiosity of the Langham and how sort of fancy. Yeah. It was. Uh, so wintertime, it's at the Langham. Summertime, it's at the Beverly, Beverly Hilton. Hilton. It's at the Beverly Hilton. Cool. Which is like it's like summertime. It's summer camp yeah. almost. Yeah. You know, it's not as it's not as. Uh, it, it doesn't feel as official oh, as – Does the winter the one lane. feel a little more buttoned up and yes. bis- businessy? Yes, it does. Cool. Summertime, there's more parties. There's more drinking. Well, it's why like... didn't we – we missed that one. You did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe so the I... bathroom of the summer one. I mean – Okay. <laughs> I, there have been – I mean, I had a moment with Brian Fuller in a bathroom yeah. at, at an event, which is – Something you don't necessarily want to say to someone, <laughs> yeah. and he was all dressed in this really nice suit at the at yeah. this uh, um, premiere for The Alienist on TNT. Yep, and he was—he's a tall guy. Yep, he's really flamboyant. Yep. He was wearing an, uh, a suit that looked like could be the pattern you would find on my grandmother's couch in the seventies. Got it, and it worked perfectly. Perfectly. So we made eye contact, and I just sort of looked him up and down and gave him a thumbs up. You're doing it. And then I realized this is happening in the bathroom, yeah, yeah. and it's a crowded bathroom. Don't give a stranger a thumbs up in a bathroom. I mean, I gave him a, I, I, I eyed him up and down, <laughs> and gave a, and I even eyed him up and down and followed him with my eyes with my finger. Yeah, like, like I pointed up and down and then gave yeah. him a thumbs up. Maddie, I think we need to call the police. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did not do that with you in the bathroom. <laughs> I remember it was like you passed me and you said. Hello, and I was like, "Oh, that guy just said hello." God, I recognize so him. Me. That is and, so me. And then, uh, then I stood next to Lance Riddick, who was watching washing his hands. Oh, and I'm like, man. "Oh, son of a bitch! Fuck this! It's broils from uh, it's it's you know the wire yes. fringe, yes. Um, um, Bosch, yes. American Horror Story." Um, so then your panel for corporate yeah. happened, and yeah. I realized that the guy that created the show yes. is friends with my podcast co-host. Oh, for real? 
on my other show. Oh, great. Because he used to work with him, I think, at Machinima or something. Okay, or, cool. Or Maker. And so I had that connection. Oh, that's funny. Um, and then, you know, you and I ran into each other at a... At a commercial audition. At a commercial audition for he, Sling. Oh, was that? Was that? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. And it, you know, I sat down next to you, and I'm like, holy shit, it's the guy from corporate. And you're sitting there reading a book. Yeah. And I'm sitting I still there. Do that. I'm kind of old fashioned. I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I for a while there, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't going out. Like I, I just recently yeah. got back into acting, so I was still kind of out of um, yeah. habit and doing it. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. And I sat down next to you, and you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna read." I'm all, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Everyone else was like looking over their lines, and you're yeah. like reading. You know, I don't even know what you were reading. Like I don't sort of read... Isaac Asimov. Thing. Oh I don't yeah, know. I think it was. No, or, it was or... a nonfiction thing. Oh, right, right. It was Morgan uh, Jerkins, I think. She was a journalist that I liked that just kind of put out a book of essays, I think is what I was reading at the time. And I commented. Yeah. I, like, I was sitting next to you. We started talking to you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the guy from corporate. Yeah. And then I'm like, we. I kind of met you a yeah. couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, in that bathroom. Uh, I didn't it, eye you up and down. I did yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the more we talked, the more you were telling me that you had a podcast and you do sketch. Yeah. You do sketch comedy? Sketch, yeah, with my sketch group, Harvard Sailing Team. Yeah. So let's back it up for okay. a second. Um, how did you get your start in the business out here? Yeah, so I, I am from upstate New York originally, and I grew up uh, in near Albany. And then I went down to NYU to study theater at, um, at Tisch and at the Atlantic Theater Company uh, Acting School, which is like uh, Atlantic Theater Company was founded by David Mamet and William H. Macy oh. in like the 80s maybe. Wow. And the philosophy there was very was very much sort of a reaction to the method acting movement of the mid-century, the Stanislavski sort of, uh, you know, sense memory, memory yes, recall. I hate that shit. Exactly. So did David Mamet. And so he sort of founded a school literally that was in very much almost diametric opposition to that. And it was the, the acting philosophy was called practical aesthetics. It was very all very, very practical. And the tenants were like, uh, there is no, these are make believe characters. These characters don't exist in real life. Get real. Um, you just learn the words, say the words. They're, the characters doesn't exist beyond the beginning and the end of the, of the play or the film. Um, so it sort of demystified and was very kind of unromantic about the acting process. It was like, anyone can do it. Train your body, train your voice, learn your lines, be on time. You're an actor. And I really responded to that sort of borderline militant uh, pragmatism. And I think it really served me and has really helped me. Not to, I mean, in a small way, I'm never late. I was sitting in this parking lot for 12 minutes just before. Shut I mean, up. like, I think because of Atlantic, I'm like, all, I'm terrified of being late. And like, that really got ingrained in me early. And I'll wake, I'll still wake up in cold sweats and worry that I'm late for something. So that, uh, at a very basic level, it was like, I'm at least never, ever, ever late. <laughs> um, well, thank you for being on time. It is my pleasure and it is my <laughs> duty. And I would never not be. Um, so that was really fun. And that was a really great experience. And then at uh, Atlantic, I sort of met the folks that would later become the Harvard Sailing Team. And we all sort of formed a sketch comedy group right after college and fell fell into the UCB and the pit uh, and the sort of the improv and sketch New York people City. People always fall into the UCB. Yeah. There's never walking in. It's <laughs> you just fall like backwards a, into it. Yeah, you're like stumbling, trip, you yeah. know, well, the lose truth, your balance. You lose your balance and you end up an improviser. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. The, I fell into the UCB once. Did you? Yes. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I came out. I came out one piece. Yeah, yeah. What happened was we were we sort of had a sketch comedy. I'm sorry, I should back it up. But for a freshman, I'm sorry, year, hold on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the UCB is the Upright Citizens Brigade. That's right. Theater. 
That's right, storied uh, sketch and improv comedy institution, which is such an institution that now, um, when the U.S. News and World Report comes out with their like, they come out with a sort of an issue every year that's like the best acting schools in America, and you know, Carnegie Mellon and Yale and NYU and all these schools are up there, and now so is UCB. I mean, it's really, just, it's like an accredited acting institution, might oh, as well wow. be. So, wow. um, but my group of friends and I. Another one of the big tenets of Atlantic, again, I think probably because it was founded by David Mamet, a writer, was like, you need to write your own material. You need to oh, create, wow. generate your own content. That's, well, that's cool. And they were like, an actor is the most powerless. You're on the bottom of the totem pole. Like, create your own work. Like, that's how you're going to sort of – that. it couldn't hurt. So we really took that to heart. And after our freshman year, we all wrote one acts. And we rented out a teeny little theater in, in uh, Hell's Kitchen called the Producers Club, which is like a shitty little 30-seat walk-up, nothing. We paid $3,000 for the space for the weekend and invited our friends and family, did these one acts. It was great. And we were 19 and full of idealism and piss and vinegar. We're like, we're a theater company. We want to be a theater company. So cut to a few years later, we're graduating, and we're like, okay, great. We know we want to work together. We're a great collective. We respect each other's sort of aesthetic, and we're sort of of one mind. This is great. We know we want to do this together. Should we do another one act, like evening of one acts? And we're like, well, yeah, but that was kind of expensive. It cost $3,000. We could just call the one acts sketches and do ah. them at the UCB for free. And so that's what we did. So that's what I mean by sort of falling into it. It wasn't yeah. like we're going to we're going to like be in the comedy scene. It was like very sort of an organic evolution from our theater our theater company dreams. But you said something interesting there is uh, make your own, make like, your write own, your own make stuff because because now it feels like you have to do Take that it for granted. To stand oh yeah, you have to like even people aside from sending in your own self tapes instead of going yeah. in on auditions to really stand out. You've got to have right your own content yes that uh, i think exactly and this was back in 2000 you know one and 2002 so like it was even like pre youtube i mean we were at nyu at the same time that there was a comedy group called Derek comedy which yeah was, which is really interesting because i'm actually writing a thing for looper.com about donald glover about right donald now there we go so donald and dc pearson and dominic Turkis were like our sketch or like also our nyu sketch comedy parallel pals and they were at doing sketch at nyu at the same time donald you're on a first name basis with him well, I mean, uh, really? Mr. Dr. Glover. Should yeah. I say doctor? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that works Do better. Uh, yeah, in, Dr. Calrissian. I don't know what you yes, say. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the scenario we're in right now, I yeah. feel like that works. Yes. I mean, honestly, not to sort of like you say these, but like Donald and my, my podcast partner, Billy, who's also a Harvard Sailing Team member, uh, Billy has rapped on a track with Donald, and oh, we've wow. done many rap battles together. You mean, you mean Childish Gambino? Childish Gambino, Doctor Gambino. Yeah. Yes, Doctor Gambino. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. so weird because I was just working on That's this so article funny. last night, right? And I was watching some of Derek Comedy's older sketches, yes. including the famous bro rape yes. sketch, yes. which I remember seeing in 2006. Exactly. Like, I remember that being a big thing back when YouTube had just started, when yeah. Chocolate Rain was like the, exactly. big, the well, big thing. Yeah, and Derek, and it was like, what was that Lonely Island video about? Like, um, I feel like that was like, in my consciousness, again, I was telling you off mic, I have massive holes in my pop culture uh, Rolodex. But uh, Lazy Sunday, they're yeah. sort of going about getting high and like going out to right. see Lord of the Rings. That and was like around that, the same and time. Like Derek Comedy, like those were, oh, I was like, oh, viral videos. Yep. That's like YouTube and viral videos. So yes, yeah, so we were, Atlantic hammered into us, make your own content. By the time we left school, YouTube was a thing and Derek Comedy was like you know garnering tens of millions of views for yeah. bro rape and we're like okay wow like 
shows and videos and let's do this. So we started making our own videos. Uh, we had a couple of videos that sort of traversed the internet and we started, the, you know, our show started selling out and we were doing weekly shows at the UCB and then later the pit, which is the people's improv theater, another comedy theater. In this New York. was in New York. In New yeah, York okay. yeah. And this is a, this is a decade of life. I mean, this is, you know, five or six years of doing weekly shows. I came out here to LA in 2011. My wife, Maggie is from Los Angeles. Um, we weren't married at the time, but we were living in a small apartment in Brooklyn, and she essentially tapped me on the shoulder and was like, whenever you're ready to go to L.A., I'd like to go home. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, nice. let's go. Yeah. So in 2011, we came out here. I got my first gig working on Punked, the celebrity yes. prank show. Were you were you working with uh, Kristen Wiig's husband? What's his name? Dax mm. Shepard? No. Oh, oh, I believe that's Kristen Bell's husband. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant yeah. Bell. Kristen Bell's husband. I meant uh, Bell, yeah. Dax Shepard did host one of the episodes. It was like the year they tried to reboot it, and they had a different okay. celebrity. Because Dax hosted. used to be... He used to be uh, Ashton Kutcher's dude that went out and and was like pranking people. Yes, exactly. Before he was a known name. <laughs> yeah. So I was one of those. I was like one of those like in the mold of in the army of Dak Shepherds. So let's that. fast Very forward strange. here because yes. apparently you talk a lot and we're almost out of time. I'm so sorry. Am I ruining this? Did <laughs> no, I ruin this? No, you didn't ruin oh, anything. Okay. You're making this like you blew my mind with a few things you said. Okay. I let's jump forward. You like already said you're like uh, personal friends with Adam. Well, I don't even know his Conover? last name. Yeah, yeah, Conover. Yeah, he's a buddy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're on Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. You, you show up as many different uh, Little characters. bit parts, one line here and there. Yeah. Um, and tell me how corporate came about, because I think I told you this, yeah. that I used to work at MySpace. I yeah, worked oh, yeah. a, a bunch of uh, uh, hellish office jobs. <laughs> you were telling me that. And uh, at MySpace particularly, yeah. um, I had to monitor the bathrooms because a disgruntled employee who got fired Took a shit in the sink and carved graffiti into the cherry wood paneling oh. of the elevators. And so until I quit, I was like, because I worked night shift because I was an actor during the day. Yeah. I had to monitor the bathrooms to make sure no one took a dump in the sink. And, you know, you're looking at that, and I'm watching corporate, and I'm like, the lighting. Oh. Like, just, just the lighting of the, the, the cubicles just brought me Dismal. back. The Dismal. fact that all we had was, like, free coffee and free microwavable popcorn. Oh, that's right, popcorn. And if they had bagel days, I always got in when there were just the raisin bagels There's left. A pecking order. There's yeah. a pecking order. So tell me about how you got you got into this. So the creators of the show, Jake Weissman, Matt Ingebretson, and Pat Bishop, are all geniuses. And Jake and Matt are hilarious stand-up comedians. And I actually met – so when I moved to L.A. and did Punked, one of my good friends on the show, Andrew Santino, was a stand-up. So I sort of followed him and sort of – you know, tugged, you know, kind of held his hand and navigated the LA stand up scene for a little bit. I was doing open mics and just sort of poking around and being curious. And I intersected with Jake and Matt, and that's where I met them years ago, and even Aparna and Ancherla, who's so funny. Oh, yeah, she's great. Incredible. So I had met them years ago, and we sort of were acquaintances and friends and sort of comedy pals. And then I just read their pilot a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, this is masterful. This is, like, brilliant, beautiful satire. This is, like, the ethos of my favorite, un like, the work that The Onion does, but, like, come to life. Yeah. It's just, like, razor-sharp satire, and it's so funny and dark and brilliant. Um, I share – we have a lot of, you know – worldview overlap. Uh, I share a lot of Jake and Matt's uh, silliness and cynicism about things in general. So, like, since you already knew them, did you have to audition? Or oh, did yeah. they? Oh, okay. I didn't know oh, if yeah, they, they just wrote the part for you. Not at all. No, no. They they auditioned everybody. I think. I mean, it was uh, so that so the that in that way it was fairly traditional. I just auditioned for it, and they were like, "Great, come do it." And I was like, "Perfect." Wow. So, and it's. I feel. I mean, it is something I'm so proud of. I think the show is so good and insightful and silly and uh it's dark and the tone is bleak for sure and like a lot of the, the sort of again the overall worldview is definitely uh um 
there, there's a pessimism to it. However, I think that the tone of the show is also silly and that there's so many goofy jokes and so many ab- sort of absurdist flourishes that I think it sort of balances out the bleakness of Jake and Matt's worldview. I feel like after the many years that Workaholics was on Comedy Central yeah. that this acts as a nice uh, chaser, even it's though chaser. it's way darker. It's it, it, like I relate a lot to this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, you're, and your character, you're kind of like a villain, horrible monster, just yeah. a corporate middleman, just abuses those below him and fears those above him, just the worst kind of human being, no integrity, spineless. So, so this type of show, tell me, tell me, you told me on the when we were on this audition, yeah. where do you shoot? We shoot in the L.A. Times building, which is soon to not be the L.A. Times building because they're moving to El Segundo. So right, yeah, we shoot in downtown in the hollowed out husk of print journalism. Yeah, that's really yeah. great. That's yeah. that's a that's an interesting the out corpse of newspapers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and th- there's a lot of uh, comparison between this show and to shows like uh, to movies like uh, Office Space. Yeah, but I don't. I, I see it, but I don't because I feel like there's a lot. Like that was kind of wacky. Yeah. This this really reflects like the deep dark recesses of your soul. I think so. Slowly spilling out your head as you're sitting there wondering what have I done with my life I think that's right as you're like answer or making like calls out of your cubicle your tiny little gray walled boxed in exactly just just existence yes I think one of the main differences to me is that office space is so genius and Mike Judge is brilliant but to me like what was funny about that and even the office is that like it's about the mundanities and uh, power like the powers of small men and like how they wield their power in teeny little inter-office environments what I think is really great and insightful about corporate is that it really sort of zooms out and it makes of yes there's jokes about how silly does to make a PowerPoint but then you zoom out and realize that PowerPoint is to help this corporation yeah. fund a, a, a secret war yeah so it's sort of of like yeah. zooms out and it sort of spins out the real world inter the global ramifications of horrible paper pushers at offices. And so you're working opposite Anne Dudek. She's and incredible. Lance As you Riddick, said, who are just both amazing. in Amazon's cop procedural Bosch. And he's in Bosch too. Yes. I don't think I knew that. That's cool. Yes. Which yeah, is yeah. like, oh my God. Wow. Uh, I love that show, by the yeah, way. Just cool. season four just premiered. Look, we're uh, basically out of time. Okay, great. This... Which which means I. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, if you want to stick around for the final segment, you can. Okay. You're more than welcome to hang out. Cool. Um, but tell people where they can find you sure. online. Twitter, I'm at Adam Lustick. Instagram, the same. Um, my f- aforementioned friend Billy and I have a podcast called the No Joke Podcast that's on the HeadGum Network, and we have new episodes every Friday, and that's at No Joke Pod. And corporate, we'll be back. I don't know when. Yeah, maybe next. Re- we start shooting season two soon, so next year, maybe. Early yeah, next you guys year, got renewed. Jake, yeah. Jake uh, has quite the uh, oh. Twitter. Presence. If you don't follow Jake Weissman <laughs> on Twitter, highly recommend. Highly recommend. You're in for a sad treat. Yeah. Well, uh, Adam, thanks for joining Thank me. You, and Adam may be here when we come back from the break. I'm not really sure. Uh, stick around, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs> There is a half-drink water bottle sitting next to me, and I keep going to grab it, and then I realize that is not mine. Someone's herpes is probably existing in the ecosystem underneath this this green cap. Adam has stayed with me. Why not? Why not? Uh, come for the talk, stay for the herpes. Come for. <laughs> I sorry, did uh, I say that out loud? Am I ruining I, this podcast? No, I, I, just, I mean now you are. This um, is an STD podcast, right? This is yeah, an yeah. STD. <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, yeah. being an actor, yes. you've probably had to work a lot of, cr- maybe a lot of crazy side jobs. Uh, to, oh, sure. 
Did you have any uh, experiences in an office that helped inform your character on corporate? The irony is that I've never the closest thing that I've this job this job on corporate is my first corporate job. Really? Working for <laughs> <laughs> working for vi working at this fake uh -huh. company for a real working at this fake conglomerate for a real conglomerate is my first real job. I've only my last yes my last job where I was at a cubicle yes. was my last was was at Viacom. Yeah, so, was at Viacom. So I think uh, that, that's why I asked you where you shot it because yeah. before they moved from Santa Monica to Hollywood, yes. we were in a building called the Motel, which yes. was next to the main MTV building. Yes, and the Motel. I was on the third floor where MTV News was, and for when I first got in there, the hills was up there, yeah. and, and I sat next to the development person for Comedy Central who brought in workaholics. Cool. But then people started leaving, Yeah. and it just was like a fucking uh -oh. ghost town Exodus. in there. yeah. And so it, it looked very similar yeah. <laughs> to what you guys do. That's why yeah. I asked. Yeah. So I... um. I, I've been thinking a lot about office comedies, you know, this week, yeah. preparing for this show, yeah. and I've been trying to put together in my head a list of of good, worthy office comedies, and one thing I learned was you were on The Office. I was on The Office, yeah. That was one of my first little uh, sort of small acting gigs little. when I got here. Yeah. It was sort of towards the end of the run. It was when, like, Jim goes to Philly to be, like, a sports agent or, like, a sports agent, I think. So, yeah. yes, I uh, – was cast as one of sort of the other employees of the sports agency where I met fabulous actor Sam Richardson, who's now on Veep and all the things. Yeah, it's yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was really fun. That now, was really talk cool. to me about that experience. I don't even know if you have the, the proper insight there, mm. but I have heard that working on The Office, that yeah. it was that that scripts were just kind of like an outline of where you wanted to go and you could have oh. improvised or. I mean, look, my role in the office was very, 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 okay. very small. Right. It was like I was in a few episodes, but like one scene at a okay, time, gotcha, gotcha. teeny little yeah, misses. Yeah. So I had like maybe a few lines. Uh, but, but I do remember there was – actually, now that you mentioned that, and we – for the most part, if my memory serves, we stuck to script for the – I mean, for the most part. But I do remember one scene, Craig Robinson was there and John Krasinski's there, and they did let us sort of be loose and kind of improvise and sort of right. funny meeting context. Because I remember context. – when the office, uh, sorry for interrupting nope, you. When the please. office, uh, no, really, I apologize. Oh, no, I, and I apologize. This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst set of manners I've <laughs> ever exhibited. Um, one thing I remember hearing about when the office first became big was that yeah. they were sort of disrupting the the way TV shows were made because of that. The office that they, that they were doing outlines and not scripts. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I heard that. I don't know That's if it's cool. true, yeah. but when you see the way. Um, the characters are interacted. It's it, it, and and they're all like they all have like this improv yeah. sketch thing going on. It yeah. felt like kind of a natural progression. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly know that's the way Kirby. Obviously, famously, that's the way Kirby enthusiasm. Yes. Works, where it's just like no more than sort of a you know Larry sort of writes a brief little outline of the scene. Yeah. Same with um, same with Reno nine one one. Oh yeah. When that was on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there was. I think. And just moving back to corporate for a second, I think that in corporate, it's sort of – I think Jake and Matt sort of looked at the office comedy landscape and saw all these sort of um, – The Office and Parks and Rec and these sort of genius, brilliant shows that have like – essentially are like offices are, are weird. And like you have a wacky boss and everyone's a family at the end of the day. And I think that Jake and Matt sort of saw that and again in their black, black hearts and cynical minds were like, well, that's not my experience of – a nine to five no. work environment that no. feels like hell, like soul crushing yeah. misery and like Kafka esque nightmare. So like that's the show that we want to make. That's and that. Yes, that's really uh, that. You you, you hit the <laughs> nail on the head. One one other thing 
I wanted to talk to you about before I even got into like the TV stuff I wanted yeah. to say here. Commercial auditions. How about them? How about them? How do you like them? What do you? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I, it, I mean, there was a time when that's how I made my living. Yeah. There was a time in my life where I worked a lot. But yeah. there's there's a rhythm and a, and a, I guess, just a way yeah. of doing it. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, you were just sitting there reading a book. Like, <laughs> is that, what is your method going in? Is it just, and I know you said no, no method, but no like. Method, yeah. You know, is it just, you know, don't even worry about it? Yeah. Because here's the thing. <laughs> I've, I've gone into auditions before, yeah, and the actors that usually book it are the ones that don't even pay attention to the script <laughs> and just do crazy, stupid, disrespectful shit in the room. Yeah. And when I say disrespectful, I mean to the other actors they're yeah, working with. Yeah, I know. I know. There is – I'm of two minds about it because, like, again, the disciplined good student wants to be like, learn your lines and do it right and, and sort of stick to the script and be respectful. And be married to and, copy. And be married to, to the copy, yeah. But also, I don't know. I feel like if I've learned anything remotely close to a lesson or any wisdom, it's nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody's an expert. Nobody knows what they're doing. The casting directors don't know. The directors don't know. If you have a better idea than them, like, that's probably good. Like, I, I just think that – and not to be, not to sound arrogant, but I think that directors, uh, I assume, because I've been on the other side of the table too. I've directed a few commercials and had to cast a few things. Oh, you and have. People, th yeah, these people are thirsting for you to make the right choice. They want you. They right. want the material to be elevated or whatever. So, anyway, that's. Uh, I try not to worry about it. Have, I mean, you also seem very, very relaxed, and I, that's all I'm an a, act. You're a good actor. Thank you. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where like I get nervous sometimes, even yeah. though I've been doing this for, since 1994. Yeah, and I walk in the room, and then I like see people who look like me, and then I'm like, I know. But there was a time where I, I was in a place where I was connecting, uh, booking a job to my own self worth. That's tricky. You know, where, where gets... you would go into the room and have in your head, if I don't book this, I can't pay rent, yeah. which puts a lot of pressure on it yes. and then really digs you even deeper into whatever depression you're dealing with if you don't get it. Hard to just, quote, not worry about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah. When commercials, it's tricky, too, because, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to sort of, like, disparage it, but, like, it's so much just about the way your face looks in the light. I mean, like, commercials. Specifically I commercials. I took a, th I took like, a, a class through Killian's workshop. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with mm -mm. it. But, but like, they say most of the audition is you coming in and smiling at camera. For commercials, I feel like yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's true. As soon yeah. as you go, like, like, it doesn't even mostly matter what you say. Yeah. A lot of times casting will be behind the camera eating their lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend Chris refers to commercial acting as face furniture, essentially. Yeah, just can you just nice. move that face furniture? Or does it, yeah. And it's, just like, it's less about acting and just more about like, what That's, does your physical body look like? That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So NBC, they've been talking about possibly renewing or rebooting The Office, bringing it back. And to every other show. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. And 30 Rock. Everything. Talking about possibly bringing 30 Rock back. Crazy. But I feel like. We're, we're talking office comedies. Would you consider 30 Rock an office comedy? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. So then in that, <laughs> in that, in that, uh, in that vein then, yeah. <laughs> would you consider, consider the Larry Sanders show an office comedy? 100% yes. Yeah. Because, Personally, yes. <laughs> so then Brooklyn Nine-Nine is an office comedy, even I think so. though it's a police procedural, but it's a comedy. I think so. 
Okay. Okay. So, because it's like when you think office comedy, a lot of times it's like just in an office environment, white like, collar. That yeah. Yeah. Parks and Rec office comedy. Definitely. Of course. The yeah. Absolutely. I think all these are, are workplace comedies from the sort of Mary Tyler Moore show. I had that written down. Here. Yeah. I feel like as maybe the godmother of them. Or I don't. Know, again, I'm no TV scholar. You're the learned Talmudic rabbi here, so <sighs> I leave it to you. But Mary Tyler Moore, which was a <laughs> spinoff of the Dick Van Dyke Show, was a spinoff of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Did you know that? Well, I didn't. I guess I didn't know that. I love the Dick Van Dyke show, but it's not like it was the same character. Yeah. It was the same character? I believe so. Whoa. So it was Laura. Mary, yeah, Laura, whatever her name. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I did not know that. I could be yeah. completely wrong in and, saying and that. And I could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, you know, just don't don't take anything I say as the yeah. God's honest truth. Exactly. Um, getting into, uh, the, yeah, so like The Office, Mary Tyler Moore, the yeah. IT crowd. Yeah. News Radio. Oh, love that show. Murphy Brown. Love it. Also being rebooted. Yes. Come on. Yes. Well, how do you feel generally about the reboot trend? Generally uh, speaking. I mean, I know it's hard because you have different feelings about all these trillion tr- – Mad About You's coming back. I know. Ramal's coming back. Roseanne feel, is back. Yeah, oh, back fuck back. Roseanne. Um, okay. I feel – We got I there f- quick. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not even talking about her as a Trump supporter. I'm just uh, like the show has really like depleted. Oh, okay. In, in, like, I haven't seen a second of it, so I take your word for it. It's fine. Um, okay. <laughs> the reboot thing, you know, I feel like – I feel like networks are freaking out just like the big uh, movie studios in the sense that they know intellectual property that will yes. that will resonate with audiences and they don't want to take chances on new things because every time they do, uh, a show lasts like a season and they cancel it. Amen. So It's all live musicals and shows you liked from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the networks are up to now to compete with. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to compete with like HBO and Netflix yeah, and Amazon and, and FX and AMC. Definitely. Uh, but speaking of all that, here's a few new shows that have come out over the past week that I wanted to highlight as this is what I'm watching. You should watch it too. Chef's Table Pastry mm. is on Netflix, and cool. if you've ever watched Chef's Table, Mm-mm. really, do you no, like do you like food? Definitely eat it every day. Do Try you like to. do you like looking at it? Yeah. Uh, do, do you like dessert? <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. Then I think. Do you like pretty dessert? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Chef's Table Pastry is is it appeals to everything okay. I want out of a food show, and the first episode is about Christina Tosi, who created. The Momofuku Milk Bar. Oh, great. Love that place. Yeah. I'd never been because I've never been to New York, even though I am a Jewish person. And wow. you look at me and think, you're an East Coast guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm from here. And God, <laughs> that's just blasphemy. Um, well, the East but- Coast guy is coded for Jewish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're an East Coast guy. You look nervous. And, and every, yeah. every, every, yeah, you, look <laughs> you look nervous and yeah. you're using your hands yeah, a lot. Exactly. You're loud you're and you keep interrupting me. Coast guy. Um, yeah, Chef's Table <laughs> Pastry was uh, at least the first episode about um, how she created cereal milk and, and all of that was just fucking amazing. Y'all should watch it. I'm not caught up on Legion yet. I know. <laughs> I know that's a thing. But here's here's the deal. Over a year ago, I used to work at a company called Zap To It. Legion was one of the shows I covered cool. regularly. And when you cover a show regularly like that or The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, it becomes an obligation. Yes. Yes, you still enjoy it. I know. But you're sitting there taking notes, right. trying to figure out what your angle is going to be, what your take on this show is going to be, and how it's going to be different from the Hollywood Reporters. Yes. And Deadlines. Yes. And TV Lines. Yes. And the AV Club. Yes. And whoever else. So – now that I'm not watching it for work, I feel like I feel this 
obligation to myself to take my time yeah, with it. Yeah, that's nice. I've only seen two episodes. Don't rush through it. I'm not rushing You're on your it. own time now. I am on my own yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel to some degree, I mean, you must inevitably, like, because you just said it, but that TV criticism or, like, the sort of task of TV criticism has obviously affected or influenced the way that you actually just enjoy, nakedly enjoy the TV shows that you watch. Nakedly? How do you know <laughs> that I'm not wearing clothes? Uh, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Um, it got to a point where I was I was covering, like, 30 shows. Um, yeah. Uh, like, uh, I that was my beat. Thirty shows for a specific season. Yeah, and uh, like I just I just finished covering The Walking Dead for Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like you have to look at it differently. Yeah, you can't just sit there and watch it as a person. My wife gets so annoyed when I go to movies or I watch TV and I start breaking it down and not just enjoying it. How can your brain not? How can How your can brain not? not? Yeah, and you know, as a writer, yeah. you're like yeah. you try to see where the acts yeah. split up and yeah. where the big twist comes. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Legion is one of those shows that I absolutely love, and I was I was dying to cover it again this year yeah. for someone. But now that I'm not, it's kind of refreshing that I'm not. Great. Um, we talked about Donald Glover earlier, yes. and I am now caught up on Atlanta, and I am sort of obsessed with him. I haven't seen the last couple episodes, but he is a freak talent, and that show is perfect. How he got started. <laughs> he was a YouTube celebrity off of his sketch comedy group. He was raised a Jehovah's Witness. So was he really? That's also an interesting aspect of him. Interesting. Uh, Tina Fey discovered him through Derek Comedy. She hired him to write on 30 Rock because as a young, cool person who was also of African-American descent, the NBC Diversity program had him for free. <laughs> yes. Uh, he then moved from that to community, right. decided to start rapping. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, he did stand-up comedy for a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm I like, think he'd kind of been rapping the whole time, in fairness. I think he's just like a rap. I mean, I think that that was yeah. always kind of a part of his... I am just, you know, knowing put. knowing that aspect and looking at his performance on, like, Community, how weird and crazy Troy got, and yeah. now looking at what he does on Atlanta. Yeah, he's incredible. It's insane to me. I'm obsessed. Yeah, he's got great taste. He's absolutely tireless. He's... I mean, he's one of the pillars of our creative community. Making me feel like I'm a slacker. And finally, the big one, Westworld, came back on Sunday on HBO. And that's another show I used to cover. Yeah. And I'm not going to say anything about it. You want to know why? Yeah. You want to know why? Why? You want to know why? Tell me. Because the internet ruined season one. And here's how the internet ruined season one. Yeah. Uh, There were too many theories, too much speculation. And it turned into a thing where everyone was like, oh, is Bernard a robot? Like, blah, blah, blah. And when that big reveal happened, it was deflated because everyone already, you know, solved the problems. And I feel like the internet ruined Westworld season one because every quote unquote expert online was providing speculation and. I was part of it yes. because I was covering it and yes. zapped to it. And you had to also always find like that little twist or that little yeah. clickbaity thing to get you to yep. to watch. And, um, you know, you were both the ruiner and the ruined. Yes. <laughs> that you were the ruiner and, that and should, the ruined. I, I, I should. <laughs> that should be on my tombstone. Yeah, yeah. That's Aaron, here. Here lies Aaron Pruner. He was both the ruiner <laughs> and, ruined. and the ruined. He was both the buzz and the buzzkill. Um, one of the things that did stand out to me, though, yeah. is that Gustav Skarsgård, one of the many Skarsgårds. There's another one? There are so many. Besides Big Little Lies Guy, this is different? Yeah. Besides Pennywise. Pennywise is a Skarsgård. Yes. How many are there? Uh, besides the other Skarsgård from uh, Thor, the old the old guy Skarsgård. God. 
There's like millions of Skarsgårds. Jesus. He, uh, Gustav Skarsgård played Floki in History's Vikings, the show Vikings uh, on History. Cool. He is now on Westworld oh. joining a Hemsworth. Oh. There's a Hemsworth on Westworld. So dynastic, this guy. I'm like, what the fuck? The Hemsworths and the Skarsgårds. Are taking over yes. the world. The West World. The West. <laughs> yeah, very, yes, very, very, very well said. Um, I know someone who plays uh, a lot of um, like monster characters. Like he's a body actor, or you cool. know, you talk like like uh, Doug Jones in um, Shape, Shape of Water. Cool. Uh, and he's in Westworld as one of the faceless drones. And I've heard stories, and I'm hoping to get him in at some point. There's a lot of penis stories about his time on Westworld. Okay. Because the all, there's a bunch of extras are required oh, to right. walk around naked. I guess so, like nude robot. Hosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays a drone that puts robots together, so that he's in a scene in the the premiere where his hand is doing things around this guy's junk, and I'm like, what? What <laughs> like, about what? it? You know, there, there were casting calls in season one about you know extra casting calls. You should be comfortable being naked. Yeah, and I've just heard like. A ton, like a huge, yeah. ca- just a just a orgy without the sex. An orgy without the sex. Doesn't Although sound. there is a big orgy in season one, but like yes, it, 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 as an actor, it makes me feel like where my boundaries are. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what okay, I mean? I know maybe that's something I wouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, may, maybe, maybe, but I probably would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is HBO, when I hear their craft service table is amazing. Yeah. Now Westworld is based. Sorry, forgive my massive ignorance. This is a. Not a Michael Crichton book. Yes, it, it is. is a Michael no, Crichton. No, not book. a book. It oh. was the first movie Michael Crichton ever That's wrote. Right. It was a movie from the seventies. Nineteen seventy-three. Okay. Michael it. Crichton broke out of writing books. It was his first movie he wrote, Got and it. it was uh, it was sort of the seed to Jurassic Park because Michael Crichton did Jurassic Park, adult theme park, adult Dangerous theme park, theme park. Robots go crazy. Fun. You know, they Fun. start attacking. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of similar themes there. Cool. <clears throat> uh, it it spawned a sequel. Oh, which was. Future World, cool, and then a short-lived CBS TV show Beyond Westworld, which was canceled like four episodes in. As CBS is want to do, as yeah. <laughs> CBS is want to do. Uh, we've reached the end of the show. Are you excited? This has been a blast for me. It's time of my life. Uh, wow, time of my life, man. I mean, I feel like you should put that on my uh, <laughs> iTunes review because you're totally going to review the show on iTunes. On my iTunes review, I'm just going to write: He is the ruiner and the ruined. I want to thank you all for tuning in. (laughs) And if you enjoyed listening to the show, please do review us on iTunes. Subscribe, like, review. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Printer TV. Uh, Next week, my guest is going to be Lindsay Ferris from Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is going to be interesting since Stars just canceled Ash vs. Evil Dead. It's sure to be a groovy, fun chat. (laughs) I hope (laughs) we're probably going to cry. My name is Aaron Pruner. You can find me at Aaron Flux on all the socials as well as at PunchDrunkTV. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. See you next week.